From Moses, the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, this is the In Her Boots podcast, a show about women cultivating the sustainable and organic agriculture movement and how she does it. My name is Lisa Kiverest, and I founded and lead the award-winning Moses In Her Boots project, providing training, resources, and support for women farmers. I'm a farmer myself, running in serendipity with my family in Wisconsin, and am the author of Soil Sisters, a toolkit for women farmers. The In Her Boots podcast celebrates the collaborative spirit of us women farmers and all women working to transform our food system and steward our land, sharing ideas and inspiration with each other. Whether you're a woman with a dream of starting your own farm or already have your hands deep in the soil, there's something for you here. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss anything. Today we kick off a fresh In Her Boots podcast series with Susan Waftel of Squash Blossom Farm in Orinoco, Minnesota. Susan shares her inspiring story of following a farm dream she had been brewing for over 25 years and which she brought to life right at her 50th birthday. Tap into our women's intuition, she advises, and follow your heart whatever your age. Susan and her husband, Roger Nelson, run Squash Blossom Farm, a 10-acre historic 1910 farmstead where their vision is to combine local food, local art, and local music. Susan runs a diversified operation, running a vegetable CSA, baking for wholesale and farmer's markets in their unfarmed kitchen, and running a pizza night featuring pizza baked in their wood-fired oven. We are here with Susan Waftel at her absolutely gorgeous farm, farmhouse, Squash Blossom Farm in Minnesota. Thank you, Susan, for inviting us by and sharing your story and sharing in so many ways your farm. This is really inspiring. And I wish the one thing about podcasts is we can't put color into it. And this is truly the most colorful farm I have ever been to. <laughs> partly, I know, not partly, but deeply influenced by your arts roots and things. But I love how your farm expresses all the different parts of yourself. So, but one of those parts really wasn't farming, right? I mean, you didn't come from a farming background per se. Uh, no, absolutely zero farm. So, how, so where do we here. start? <laughs> I did have a little gardening experience. Yeah. Um, well, when I was a little child, my grandparents farmed in southwest Minnesota on the Iowa border. You know, more a traditional farm, although it was the old-fashioned kind of farm. They did have chickens in it. My first memory is when I was three about three, I'm sure, my grandpa scooping me up and putting me on the back of the milk cow and walking back to the barn. And I didn't even know if that was a real memory because I didn't know they had cows. And I asked my dad and he said, yeah, we had a milk cow. His name was Friendly. (laughs) Anyway, that was my first memory. And then um, in this, when I was young, I would go for two weeks every summer to their farm. And it was just a magical time. I just loved it so much that I think that's where my my dream of wanting to be a farmer since I was a little kid. Where did you grow up? In Minnesota? Um, Northern Minnesota, Bemidji. And then when you went to school, though, you weren't having a vision of this. Well, not really. Well, I, I dreamed, I did want to have a farm someday. And actually, my husband, Roger Nelson, um, he and I have known each other since second grade. Really? And, and we were just friends. And like we would go cross-country skiing at night when we were in high school. And then we'd go have to the pizza place and have hot chocolate and talk until till late they about you out. <laughs> yeah and we and our and we would talk a lot about um our utopian community idea which would be in a farm with art and music and it would be kind of a a co-op or something but uh-huh. um 
we didn't really expect that we would ever really do that. So now it's kind of funny when we look back like, hey, <laughs> that, wow. that came oh, true. I get goosebumps <laughs> when I hear stories like that. That People lose sight of their dreams and visions in that sense. But you, you had them, just when they would happen and how right. they would happen. But obviously... They did, and here well, we are. And our, we every I ended up we ended up marrying each other, um, and there's a lot of funny little things that have come back around full circle that maybe some of them will come in our conversation. But we ended up getting married, and every time we would move somewhere, we would kind of look for a farm that we would be exploring all the time. Um, our weekend adventures were usually going on drives in the country and keeping our eyes out for our dream farm, and it never really happened. Um, but then I worked a lot of different jobs, mostly with nonprofits as the director of community organizing or environmental nonprofits. And in my 40s, I was working very intensely, like 75-hour weeks for this wonderful nonprofit. But I kind of had a burnout stage. Yeah. And had also I was grieving the loss of my daughters going off to college and my grandma dying and not really having time to deal with that because I was working so hard. And I just had a really uh, serious depressive episode. Um, and I started going to a life coach. Yeah. And she was really wonderful and had a lot of nonprofit experience herself. And so she was very compassionate and understanding of what I was going through with because dealing with board members and trying to serve <sighs> everybody in, in a community organization, every neighborhood association and board member has their own agenda. And it's very difficult it's a to, lot. to juggle all those things. So... I was doing lots of writing and thinking about where I wanted to go. And I was just on the verge of turning 50. So I was kind of going through my midlife crisis, you know, <laughs> thinking I am getting old and it's going to be too late to ever be a farmer. <laughs> and it's not going to happen. And I, I was, uh, was really miserable. And she was very comforting and like, you know, it can still happen, but you just have to be patient and it's got to work its way out organically. So this is a really funny, th funny thing that happened. Um, as I was healing, I had this dream. I woke up from this dream that was so wonderful. In the dream, we had gone on one of our adventures looking for our dream farm. And we came to a little town called Miniota, which I know is a real town, but I'd never been to it. And as we drove through the town first, there was a brick storefront that was empty. And I was like, that would be a beautiful art studio. And then as we came to the edge of town, there was a farm for sale and had a gorgeous brick house and a big garden and we pulled in and there was an older couple there and they were selling the farm so we looked around the farm and it was just magical like in the kitchen the kitchen was two stories tall and it had one of those library ladders that slid around and it was all books around the ceiling this was a vivid dream wow <laughs> it was great and then we went outside and there was the garden and I said to the farm wife do you have any asparagus and she said, yeah, it's over there. And there was like this huge asparagus, like a forest. And beyond that was a pond. And I said, oh, I could have ducks. So we bought the farm right then and there. And we started packing everything up for them into their RV. And we were going around the farm. And I was finding things like a little brooch and saying, oh, you'll need this. And she's like, nope, I don't need this anymore. I'm just leaving all the books. And it, so it was like we were just getting this whole life given to us. Yeah. <laughs> it was so wonderful. Well, so I told Raj that dream. And he's like, really? That's a fantastic dream. <laughs> and so then I went off to do my errands for the morning and I went to the library and I dropped off magazines and I went in there, used bookstore. And I picked up a book by Bill Holmes because the title really spoke to me. It's called The Heart Can Be Filled Anywhere on Earth. And we were kind of evaluating what our next plan was. 
like, should yeah. we move to Vermont or what should we do? Uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> and so I brought the book home and I said, hey, Raj, I found a book by Bill Holmes. And I, we both really liked his writing. And he looked at the cover and he said, Sue, look at the cover. And the cover was a map. And in the center was a star. And the star was Miniota, which had just <laughs> been in my dream. So the next weekend, we went on a road trip to Miniota thinking we would find that farm. <laughs> and we didn't. <laughs> but what was really interesting was it wasn't that far from where my grandparents' farm was. So we also went back to their farmstead. And I hadn't been there for 25 years, probably. Wow. So... Um, I think, you know, we did a lot of talking on that trip and we're like, let's do it. Let's just get really serious and focus on finding our farm. And it took two years to find this one, but it happened. But that was a turning point. I think it was a you. cementing point. Yeah. 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 That's, that's fascinating. And it seems too that looking at all these stories from a women's lens is that we have this natural ability to be intuitive if we open up to it, right? Or we take, mm -hmm. like you did, make the time and space and bring in other people or resources as needed to help you clarify so you can connect to and, that and, intuition, right? I mean, right. there and was space open. I needed to go through that really deep depression to be forced to write and evaluate everything that was important you wouldn't to be me here yeah, Otherwise, I would just that. have continued on, maybe gotten a different job and done the same thing. And, um, this is really hard work, but it's the most fun I've ever had. I really love it. Oh, you can tell it's just, it's your calling or this chapter, life calling. But um, so you made the time and space to give yourself the opportunity to process. You've always had the farm dream, it sounds like, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. you needed some time and space to both heal and also identify that, yes, this could, should be your next chapter. Yes. However, you know, at age 50, I didn't really think... I had the skills to really be a, to do what we're doing. I just figured we would continue on with our normal life, but we'd live in the country and maybe have a few chickens and have that kind of adventure, a yeah. garden and maybe bees. So uh, so on the timeline, so when did you purchase this place or how long have you been um, here? We've been, this is our 10th year. Our 10th year, okay. So and you moved when you were... All right. And flash forward, describe Squash Blossom now. Um, well... We are at a 10-acre, 1910 farmsteads, and all the buildings are original but in very good shape, and we've been restoring them as you know along the way as we go. Um, our, our mission, we, as we've defined it, is local food, local art, local music, combining all the things that are important to us. And we're trying to do everything with permaculture principles. So, you know, permaculture has a 12 basic tenets of... of approaches we probably don't fill all of them but but many of them are like have that we have that we're um working on right now are energy conservation and diversity and uh, perennial crops and involving the community and um every every aspect every element has more than one role yeah. um things like that so i think we're doing i mean we're doing what we can at the level we're at and the things that seem to be a good fit. Because, like, when you start from an old farm, you know, you can't be as as uh, energy efficient as <laughs> if you could start from scratch and build it wisely. <laughs> true, true. But so. you're you're doing the ultimate in sustainability. You're reusing yeah. what's there right, in creative right. new ways. So uh, you have, what are the, describe, like, the business components you have now. You've got sure. the CSA and yep. pizza. Well, when we came here, and we were thinking we were going to be a hobby farm, um, our college-aged daughters both moved home, 
and they're intrepid and passionate and entrepreneurial. And they both thought, oh, we could make money for college this way. So <laughs> they amplified it. Yeah, quickly. they're like, mom and dad, we're going to help you launch the farm. And they really thought of it as a farm. Um, we thought of it as a place in the country. So the very first year, um, because of them, we had two pigs, two steers, 400 meat chickens, 30 laying hens, 15 turkeys, bees. We started baking for the farmer's market. I was raising sprouts because the farmer's market didn't have any sprouts, and that was a good niche to fill. What else? Well, that was pretty much... We just dived in. We we got a milk cow, started dairying on a very Uh family milk cow. So I would just tell them, all right, you guys can do whatever you want. It was their opportunity to to learn things and experiment too. Just don't leave me with all these animals when you go back to college. And they they and they had been vegetarian since they were twelve. So really, it was really interesting that they were now raising meat animals and actually harvesting them. We harvested the chickens ourselves. We killed the pigs on the farm. I mean, we didn't kill them. We brought a person in. Mm-hmm. We hauled it, loaded up the steers, and hauled them away, which was. But what a great family project. I mean, they were gung-ho and provided that energy and and labor to some degree too, right? Oh, yeah. They did all the work on those animals. Um, And then when they left, I had just grown to love so many of the things that we were doing that I've continued on many of them on a smaller scale. And so have you always sold at the farmer's market? We have since the very first year we were here. And that's the Rochester market, right? Yeah, the Rochester downtown farmer's market. And it's a gorgeous market. Before we moved here... And when we lived in town, we only lived two blocks away. So every Saturday we went to the market. That was our our Saturday morning routine. And met lots of farmers there and became friends with them. We were CSA members of one of them. And then our daughter, both daughters, ended up working for that that farm um, for several years in the summer. So you you sell produce and baked goods at the market... We don't really sell Mm. produce there. Um, So the enterprises that we do here, besides the farmer's market, we have a small CSA. um, You know, And that's where your vegetables go. That's where our vegetables, yep. Most of our vegetables go into the CSA. And then we um, have pizza on the farm since we've built a commercial kitchen. We used to raise, um, we used to raise beef and chickens for meat and sell the eggs and most of those now go into our bake you know we don't raise I don't raise meat animals anymore partly because I'm older and very arthritic and partly because we eat very little meat and I don't really yeah I don't really want to eat my friends (laughs) (laughs) they when you have so few animals they really become they really become your friends and it's it's really very painful, I think, to harvest them. Even though if I am going to eat meat, I like to know that it was an animal that had a really fabulous life and was um, well taken care of. And you know, yeah. all of our animals that we've harvested, I feel I don't feel bad because I know they've had a better life than they probably ever would have had <laughs> at most other opportunities that they would have had to. Live. Sure, sure. So for the farmers market, that's where you do more of your baked goods. Um, yes. So when we moved here, we, th- we had been going to pizza farms just for fun. Um, and we, and also anytime we would travel, we'd go out for wood fired pizza. And my husband loved, he, <laughs> this is a kind of funny thing back when we were, before we were married, he was l- going to school in Europe and in France. And then he would write me these letters, which I call love letters, but they were love letters to French bread. <laughs> 
okay. he would just go on the whole, you know, back then it was aerograms. Now you have the internet, so I don't even know if they make those Oh, anymore. those things that like folded yeah. up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so a really That's... thin piece of paper that you unfold. And like 90% of it would be about the, these baguettes that he would get <laughs> and, and what they were like and how they tasted and how he could eat the whole first one on his walk home. So it's kind of funny now, now that we live here, we built a wood-fired oven and he's the baker and he makes sourdough bread, oh. wood-fired sourdough bread. So that has kind of come full circle too. So we make the bread that we sell wholesale for to the co-op or through the co-op. And then we sell, he makes the breads and I make the fancy breads and pastries for the farmer's market. We also do some events on the farm, weddings, family reunions. We did a funeral once, um, work parties, 16th birthday parties, all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do classes and workshops um, and then do festivals like we have we'll be having our eighth annual cow puja and farm fair this year, which is a festival honoring the cows. And the Hindu temple comes and does a traditional puja ceremony, ah. which involves chanting and incense. And um, the cows get these special treats, uh, a hard sugar called jaggery, and a big platter of treats that everyone can give them. And the cows are decorated. They're painted and have... And you've been doing that for a while, right? Yeah, this will be our eighth year oh wow and then we have artisans and music all day and um, usually some indian food as well as other food vendors so that's become a really huge thing like a thousand people come oh wow so it's really fun you're super diversified then in what the things you have going on but yeah they all diversified (laughs) (laughs) oh but that's great i mean uh and i and i love the story too in that you had you've had roots looking back now obviously Hindsight's twenty twenty, but there were signs and right. things it's, all it's along. It's funny that that how that happened. I mean, what 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 advice would you give someone, particularly a woman who is has these nuggets of a vision, and that first step? I mean, you you kind of took some time, right? I mean, some time to we did, everything. Nothing has, happened. It, it, yeah. It's all together now, but nothing happened quickly. No, it's all evolved organically. Yeah. And our thought was we would experiment with things, and then we would weed out the things that either made no sense financially, or we weren't good at, or we didn't like, we didn't mm-hmm. enjoy. And like we weeded out the pigs because the pigs were really smelly, and to me they're kind of scary when they get big, mm-hmm. and. Um, <laughs> a lot of work because we didn't have water there. I had to haul water. And I'm one of my biggest challenges now is I have arthritis and hauling heavy things is the worst thing for my arms and hands. So that was easy to weed the pigs out. And I've weeded but out. But you didn't, you experimented. You didn't right. have like huge infrastructure or. Right. And we'll talk more about the pizza farm, yep. but that was a venture that you put a lot of thought into it before yeah, jumping into. Because I mean, that was it's... such an expensive undertaking. Yeah. We yeah, had yeah. to. But we started out doing that with just potlucks and people Mm -hmm. coming in. Mm -hmm. So we were learning um, how to do things and having fun and kind of becoming known for what we were doing just through a small community. Yeah. It sort of snowballed. And you have always had this artistic side too, Susan, right? I mean, you you paint and you, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a a business for you. Right. I, you know, I, I have a fine art degree from the U of M. Um, and I've never really made my living from art per se. Mm-hmm. I've always done art. I've always painted. And I also do a lot of textile things. You know, in college, I costumed plays and I sewed clothes for people. And um, and now I still do some of that, like 
Um, I make these crazy bohemian coats that are made out of felted wool sweaters. It takes about 25 sweaters. Oh, I see. Sweaters. That's what she says. Are beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I make mittens from felted wool sweaters. And I sew all the things that we need, like tablecloths and curtains and things for the farm. Um, since we do weddings, I've made up a zillion tablecloths. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so those skills have come in handy. I just, you know, you just try to use whatever things you can do. Yeah. To, to, but I, to, I see the farm too is really your palette now, right? I mean, it for is. creating things. Yeah. I, I, that's one way I justify, um, not being very productive with making paintings anymore because the whole farm is my art now. Well, it takes and a lot of your creative energy too, I would think. And we're trying to make it be, you know, kind of a destination in that sense. Like last year we started a sculpture garden, um, it will be some of my work, but also other artists' work. And I think it'll just be a really good fit for both my interests, but also when the people come for pizza, it's a little diversion, a little creative thing they can do. Oh, yeah. Exploring that. Yeah, terrific. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to our In Her Boots podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Kiverest, with the Moses In Her Boots project. This episode's audio engineer was Liam Kiverest of TechSocket.net. The podcast was brought to you by the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, MOSES. The mission of MOSES is to educate, inspire, and empower farmers to thrive in a sustainable organic system of agriculture. For more information on MOSES, in her boots, and a bounty of organic resources, check out mosesorganic.org.